Feast of the Epiphany. I don't know if any other churches or religions celebrate that, but it's the Feast of the Epiphany on January 6th that commemorates the three wise men bearing gifts. So in some of the European countries, for um, many, many generations and over the centuries, actually celebrated the gift-giving time on January 6th because it was the commemoration of the gifts of the Magi at that time. So they didn't have any Christmas exchanges, any gift exchanges on um, Christmas Day as was finally appointed as, as December 25th. And there was no celebration on New Year's Day. The entire um, reverie or the happiness and the celebrations centered on January 6th. You know, and I think I've read Somebody pointed this out, and I think I went through the Holy Scriptures to verify. It doesn't state how many wise men actually came to bear the gifts. We just always assume it's three. They had names. Uh-huh. But, uh, but it's interesting that what I saw in writing, they didn't mention how many actually might have come. Could be wrong, but I seem to remember that. I'm on page two with my homework. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, also wise men. Yeah, okay. yeah wise men. Because uh, uh, most people may or may have forgotten that it's the, the the description of Christmas is only making the two of the Gospels. Two of the four. And so that's how come I can remember that. What um, were the gifts they brought? Let's see, frankincense, um, myrrh, um, and I guess gold. That is correct. Yeah, and I think the myrrh is for burial, and I think the frankincense is for burial. I don't remember. I can't remember which is which. Right, I don't either. I, I guess we're just but they, all three were very precious substances. Right. They were, um, they were the best that they could bring. And I guess, and I think they were used to bury a king. I think that's how the customs were used. I don't know everybody got that treatment, per se. Uh -huh. You know, I don't know. Um, interesting. Let's see, what else can we put together for Christmas homework? Oh, please. <laughs> I'm going to cancel Christmas in August. <laughs> 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 You're too funny. Uh, Santa Claus get, how does Santa Claus be called Santa Claus? Well, Who came up with the name of Santa Claus? You want me to look up how he got all of his different names? Well, how did he get the name Santa Claus? Why well, it's it's Saint, Saint Nicholas, and it's the uh, Nicholas is C L A U S. Ah, okay, okay. See, you're good, Patricia. You are good. I'm sometimes good. You're it's always spelled a thousand you're different ways. Always good. And Santa is Saint. Saint. Oh. Saint Nicholas. Wow. <gasps> sometimes I almost sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Just once in a while. Okay. I have this is this is really good. I'm gonna have to set up the next that we've got, which is, uh, it's here, it's here, it's here. The next show is the radio phonograph from December 24th, 1924. I'm going to give you information about the phonograph before we go to the show. But the show is about a phonograph that was 
delivered to the McGee's house, and they accepted delivery and realized that it was um, a Gildersleeve package. So Sibber, of course, assumed that Gildersleeve was using the McGee's house as kind of a depot. They were having a package delivered, so when he got home later, he could pick it up. And it turned out to be a phonograph with an automatic record changer, which just blew Fibber's mind. He, he knew that that was the hottest thing in the whole wide world for him. So I thought, well, this is really interesting. What was so special about an automatic record changer at that particular time? And uh, so I went digging around for information. Are you ready for my information? I'm here? ready for Patricia. Dig them up. Okay. The first commercially successful record changer was called the Automatic Orthophonic Model by the Victor Talking Machine Company. Take a guess when that was. 1894. Oh, boy, you're a heck of a lot closer than I would have been. It was 1927. Now, this, this is not the first record changer. This was the first commercially successful record changer. So you could be much closer to the truth. But uh, from a commercial standpoint, the Victor Talking Machine Company, is that was that the precursor to RCA Victor? You got it. You got it. Yeah, okay. So the Victor Talking Machine Company launched sales of its first record changer, the automatic record changer mm -hmm. that was called the automatic orthophonic model. How they ever came up with that name is beyond me. But anyway, that was in 1927. However, I found an ad from the Milwaukee Journal. When you go out online and you put in requests from Google for information about these kinds of things, frequently old newspapers will pop up, and the ads are in these old newspapers, which are just fabulous. I love old newspapers. So, and remember that this show that we're talking about, the Fibber, McGee, and Molly show, is from December 24, 1940. On November 29, 1940, this is about four weeks ahead of time, there was an ad in the Milwaukee Journal that was advertising a Zenith product, and it's called, and it was labeled as new for 1941. So it was being introduced. It was a 1941 model, and it was a Zenith radio phonograph with automatic record changer. That's what they were advertising. And the copy read, a new 1941 Zenith combination with six tubes, 10-inch speaker, radio, I'll spell this word, I can't pronounce it, it looks like radio organ, R-A-D-I-O-R-G-A-N, like the O is shared, so radio organ, Okay. but it's squashed together with only a single O. So it's a 10-inch speaker, radio organ, automatic tuning, wave magnet, and television button. I have no idea what the television button was for on a radio, but that's what it said. The American and foreign broadcasts will be picked up, automatically changes 10-inch and 12-inch records. It's got a walnut finished cabinet, uh, 40 and 3 quarter inches high, and it's easy terms. The price, what do you think? 1941? Uh, $139. Not too bad. It was ninety nine ninety five. Wow. The, hot, the hottest item. 
uh, and it was at the top of the line. It was about the top of the price line, um, and it was a Zenith. But are you ready for this? They took trade-ins. How about that? Was, I don't know what you were allowed to trade in. It just said before trade-in. So I don't know what they were taking in trade-in. But Probably uh, uh, laundry, um, <laughs> baking. Yeah. You know, sewing. cooking, sewing. I wonder if you got more credit for a competitor's product. Yeah, yeah. Well, That's an interesting question. Sure. Anybody out there can help us with this kind of history that has to do with the broadcast equipment itself. Right. So I wanted to know what a wave magnet was. Any idea? Nope. Never heard of it. And the radio organ? I had no idea. Right. It took a little bit of digging. The wave magnet was an antenna that had an in increased capability of picking up sound from uh, farther away and with more clarity. So, like this is why they could talk about American and foreign broadcast. Uh, short wave. Okay. Pardon? Short wave. Well, is that what it was? Well, foreign broadcast. I would think. I always think of short wave, and I well, think. Well, with the with the word wave in it, it sure sounds like. Yeah. 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 Well, okay, you can have that. So you got that one. You get you get two points. Now, the radio, radio organ, radio organ, um, was a set of sound settings. You got six buttons, and you could set bass and treble and everything in between. It was the the front runner to the controls that we have on the levels of sound. Um, you know, with different pitches and things. Oh, okay. And um, according to the information, with the six buttons, you could come up with 64 different combinations to please your ears. How about that? That's amazing. Yeah. That is something else. So that was my homework. Now, with the automatic record changing, uh -huh. I could not find anywhere. I know it's out there, but I couldn't find how many records they could stack. Yeah, I, I, see, I think in the early days there was a problem because it broke records. I didn't think they had it pr totally perfected until the late 40s, but, you know. Right. Well, you know. The, I, I don't still, I don't have um, what the capacity of these things was. The one that was delivered to Fibber McGee and Molly's house had an eight-record capacity, which wow. sounds like an awful lot. It could die because these were 78s, so and those are pretty heavy records. They're heavy records. Uh -huh. so. What I did find um, is uh, how they, they started setting up sets of LPs and 78s. But before that, um, they, there were a couple of notes that I pulled out. It said record changers were met with disdain by audiophiles because of the compromised fidelity. This just knocked me over. Resulting from changes in the tone arm angle with the height of the stack. As the stack got higher, the, the tone arm or the needle um, was displaced. It was it was always in a different place every time a, a record stacked one higher. So the audiophiles, the people who were really sensitive to sound, complained that it compromised the sound of the records. But they were also concerned, and I know that this was a valid thing because we're talking about 78 records that were hard and not pliable. And they were talking about sliding and rubbing of the records together. When a new one dropped down, it, it 
you know, the machine didn't stop and then start up again. It was spinning when right. the new record dropped down. Right. So it would take a little bit of friction before the two records grabbed each other. Right. And that was leaving microscopic scratches that would eventually do some serious damage to the record. So um, it, you're right. It had some uh, challenges that had to be figured out. They were talking about not having too many records stacked up because when they dropped, they were fragile and they could be damaged. So really interesting. But what they did with the big records, when you got a set of records, and, you know, it went from side one, side two, side three, side four. No matter what kind of a record player you had, you'd finish side one, you'd have to get up, turn it over, and play right. side two, sit down. Right. They started packing sets of records so that you could stack them, and you would get side one, two, three, four right. in sequence, and you would turn over the whole stack, and you would get five, six, seven, eight. Very nice. So I thought, you know, and they would do that with three. Right. Um, you know, you get one, two, three, and then four, five, six. So in order to do that, one record would have side one and side eight. The next one would have side two and seven, then three and six, then four and five. They would just get closer and closer to the middle. Ah, uh, okay, makes sense. When you turned them over, you didn't have to rearrange the order. Nope. You could literally flip it like a pancake, put the stack them back on the spindle, and you're off to the races That's again. That's good. So I learned a whole bunch of stuff. I never knew that, Patricia. Oh, well, then you always make me feel so good when you say that was something new for you. Well, it was. Cool. Yeah. Now, we want a wave magnet, ready organ for $69.49? Would love one. With American police and foreign broadcast with automatic tuning and television button. I have no idea what a television button is. I wonder if that means it, it had, like, a screen. Or there was a precursor of waiting for TV to show up. How, why would you put that on a radio? Well, that's a good point. In the hallway here in our house, I have, you know, I think we just boxed it up. We have a 1948 Velcro combination model. Which okay. Is, which is uh, with the record that you can stack up and the uh -huh. speakers and shortwave and all that good stuff. All right, so you had one that was really packed together. Uh-huh. Uh, when they talk about a television button, I'm wondering if it is um, the glowing dial that we hear right. about with right. old-time radio. Right. I wonder if that's what they're talking about with a, a television button. I have no idea. I don't either. I have no well, idea. Well, I'll have to beg for the next couple of weeks for someone to call in and uh, talk to us about the television That's button. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's the end of my stuff for you. So, should we introduce the show? We can introduce the show, and then next week we will do our final Christmas week. We're adding Wayne Shiree, <clears throat> one of uh, Yesterday USA's DJs who has not been with the station for a little bit, but I'll bet if we really encourage him, he might want to come back at least for a little bit. You bet. And for I, I promised that I would do this. I hope, please forgive me. I'll, I'll take just a minute. Um, for Wayne's show, if you go to the iTunes store and type in the search A Train, Wayne's show will show up. So you'll have an opportunity to hear. 
the kind of work and sound integration that he did for his show, which was really marvelous. And uh, maybe you could do that before we have the chance to talk with him next week. So that's the end of that. Final show? Let's go. Are we ready? We're ready. Okay. The name of the show is The Radio Phonograph, which is why I just dragged you through all of that information. <laughs> Poor Walden. Got you by the back of the neck and just dragged us through everything. Okay. Fibber and Molly accept a delivery for Gildersleeve. Um, it's big enough. It's, it's, uh, these things must have been very heavy. What they were describing is 40 inches high. It's not huge, but it took two men to get this thing in the house, so they must have been very heavy. And uh, even Molly said that's a whopping big package. They discover it's addressed to Gildersleeve, and that means Gildersleeve is still the next-door neighbor, which is kind of interesting because he was only there a relatively short time, less than two years, wasn't he? Yep, from uh, 39 to... Uh, spring 41. Late 39 mm -hmm. into early 41, something right. like that. Yeah, it was less than two years. So Gildersleeve is their next-door neighbor, and uh, it's addressed to him, but they just cannot fight their curiosity. They absolutely have to know what's inside this package. So they unpack it, and it turns out to be a turntable record player that will hold 12 records. I misspoke. I thought it was eight. It will hold 12 records. But, of course, in Fibber's own way, it turns into a disaster. So Fibber trips over a word in this show, and they have such great fun with it. So um, it's worth listening for. It's a neat Christmas show. It's perfect for Christmas in July. This is our second show, so I get to say good night. And Merry Christmas, everybody. Talk to you next week. Date, December 24th, 1940. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with Keep an Eye on Your Heart. kitchen floor is going to have one of its hardest days. Does that worry you? Well, not if the linoleum is protected with Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. Then, no matter how many feet go scuffing and scraping across the floor, the linoleum itself is safe, unharmed. Also, if you should spill anything on the floor, a damp cloth quickly wipes it up. Not only that, but linoleum that is kept shining with glow coat is as bright and colorful as the day it was first put down. And everybody knows that it's easier to work in a cheerful kitchen than in a dull one. Johnson's Glow Coat, as you know, is self-polishing, which means it needs no rubbing or buffing, practically no work from you. Well, it's a wonderful...
wonderful feeling to have your Christmas shopping all done and wrapped and sent out and cards all mailed so you can sit down and relax by an open fire. Ah, peace. It's wonderful. And here at 79 Wistful Vista, settling down to wallow in that wonderful feeling, we find Faber McGee and Molly. Ah, boy, ain't this a picture. Snow softly falling and candle in the window. Fire in the fireplace. Yeah. And no wood in the basket. <laughs> you better go out and get a couple of more logs, dearie. Oh, let it go. We'll be going to bed pretty quick. Well, don't let the fire go out. Sure. Who am I to give Santa Claus the hot foot? <laughs> Besides, the wood is outside and it'll be all wet from the snow. Oh, it'll burn all right. Yeah, but it'll sputter and throw sparks out on the floor. Might catch the rug on fire. Then it might spread to the curtains. And the furniture. What? Why, just the whole house might go up in a blaze. Might even cut off the house next door. Oh, my God. And uh, McGee, what are you doing? Well, throw the piano out the window. We can say that. You run up and get your jewelry. I'll call the fire. Oh, oh dear. Don't you have any day. Stop it. There isn't any fire. Huh? Oh. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Boy, I should have been a salesman. <laughs> I can convince myself that almost anything. Oh, I wonder who that is. Come in. Delivery for you, lady. Bonton Department Store. Okay, Joe, bring it in. My, my. Hey, look at that, will you, Molly? Wonder who sent us that. Search me. The name's on the inside, no doubt. Uh -huh. Well, thank you, boys, and a Merry Christmas to you. Thanks, lady. Same to you and many others. <laughs> Heavenly day. What a whopping big package. Wonder what's in it. Well, what do you say we see who it's from? Might as well find out. No. Oh, look, McGee. Here. Here's the card on the wrapping. Well, who sent it to us? Oh, it isn't ours. Huh? It's addressed to Mr. Gildersleeve. They delivered it to the wrong house. Uh, now, look, maybe it's really ours, and they got Gildersleeve's name on it by mistake. Huh? Now, listen, don't be silly. Don't unwrap it any farther now. My goodness, No, sirree, I've started it. Now I'm going to see what it is. We can wrap it up again later. Where's the scissors? i got to cut this string. On the shelf in the hall closet. Okay, in here? Yeah. Hey, somebody must have straightened it. Oh! <laughs> Straighten up that closet one of these days. Well, never mind that now. Bring the scissors and cut the string, if you must. And I don't think we should. But if we have to, hurry up. <laughs> I want to see what's in it. <laughs> Some of you may be getting new cars for Christmas if you've been very, very good. But any one of you could have had a new-looking car at very little cost and with very little work. Wouldn't it be more fun driving a bright, shiny automobile, one that's wax-polished with Johnson's Car New? This sensational new auto polish both cleans and wax polishes in one easy operation in half the time it used to take. Ask your dealer for Johnson's Car New, spelled C-A-R-N-U. This is the National Broadcasting Company. This is Chicago WMAQ. Ten seconds. Okay, everybody. Well, thanks for joining me. And we'll be with you next week, everybody, here on Yesterday USA. We love you all. Yeah, so I'll be with you on Sunday here on Yesterday USA. It's time to call it a day. They've burst your pretty balloon and taken the moon away. It's time to wind 
the masquerade just make your mind the piper must be
Lowry Twiddle on. Uh, he had one of the routines from Pam tomorrow. I think he was one of the teams on the early day show. Uh-huh. That's right. That was the name. He's got, he, he, it sounds really good still, so we're good. everybody. <laughs> Sounds great, Ron. <laughs> 